gone. Quick, talk bad about him. Uh, Chase is a really nice guy, and I really respect him and his decisions. I think he is a good part. Oh, wait, hold on. Wait, did I do it right? Welcome to Interface. My name is Andrew Lilja. With me today are Chase Musil and Ian Fuchs here to give you your annual edition of all the tech news, stories, and important information of the day that you need to get your year in gear. Wow. Are we, are we recapping 2017? 2017? Or is this a, a future-focused show? It's a future-focused show. Today, we're going to tap into the precog's brains to bring you all the important stories you need to start your year. And Tom. Screaming intensifies. <laughs> no, I have no. I, you know, I was sad. I didn't even know it was at CES this year. I was I was happy to say there was a power outage. I saw that. That was the, the that was the highlight of everyone's week. It was, it was the the power outage at the garbage the, show and the the uh, the robot strippers. I believe were the other oh. the uh, big the big hit. Yeah, those are great. Of the crowd. Although. Although they made that, like whoever posted that, strongly implied that took place on the show floor at CES when in actuality it took place at a strip club 10 blocks away from the show. Yeah, it wasn't really part of the show. Yeah, I feel like a strip club can do what they want with that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but since we're here to bring you the exciting news and stories from 2018, let's talk about what's for sure going to be the biggest one, and that is the combination of phone and desktop computers. Is that is that really the biggest that will be the biggest story. Okay. Well, in that case, um, the uh, <laughs> the topic that Andrew is uh, skating around the edge of is is the Razer Project Linda, Razer, the makers of of gaming accessories, shaving tools, yeah, uh, or oh. or shaving tools. One of those two. Oh, that's my bad. Oh, I I whoops. Other Razer. Yeah, sorry. Um, that's Schlick. They uh, so they make. What keyboards, mice, headsets? I think tons they even of make stuff. like they make all the stuff. They make they make, even make like some computers, yeah. Yeah. Um, um, they they got their start. I think they're a Chinese company. They got their start make basically making the mechanics for like Logitech and that kind of thing, if I remember right. Okay. And then pretty quickly realized that there was this huge untapped market of people who wanted high quality like game uh, focused hardware, so mice and keyboards and that kind of thing. And so they did that, and they do a really good job making really good stuff. So they got huge. So, yeah. I like the thing that I always think of when I think of Razer is super high quality, and I've only had like I think I've had one Razer product that I used at all, which was a mouse years ago. But when the laptops came out, people I like the comment I kept reading because of the Lumina chassis was it's the closest thing to a MacBook out there. Yeah, yeah, they make they make really good stuff. It, like you know, I'm a, I'm a Mac boy. I'm I'm an iPhone guy, and they are sort of diametrically opposed to that. But I think that their hardware. Is all really, really excellent stuff. Every time I pick one mm-hmm. up, I always expect it to be a piece, cheap, cheap piece of crap, and I hold it. I'm like, oh, this is like, this is really good. I could totally get one of these and be happy. And they, mm-hmm. they've and they've really kind of made themselves known as the the company for gamer stuff. Gamers, so, right? Yeah. And and then what was it last spring, last summer? They released the Razer Phone, which yeah. was a an, an Android device that was decently specced. Um. And, it's a high-end Android device. Yeah, it was more or less high-end Android phone. Um, it is. And 20 or 
heard screen, which is the big deal. Right. They, right. They, they, they're, they're a gaming company, so it's like a, a phone for gamers. Right. And and so Sorry, it's impossible for me to talk about it without make, adopting that tone of voice. voice. Um, yeah. So then, so then at CES this year, they they the razor phone. previewed the this Project Linda thing, and Project Linda is basically a laptop shell with screen with keyboard, and then this. This I mean, it's basically it's a chis- keyboard right, attachment the, for right. a phone, and this this chiseled out pocket where you put your razor phone, chiseled, and it it connects to USB C, and then the screen becomes a larger extension of your phone screen, and the keyboard becomes the keyboard, and then the phone itself becomes a trackpad slash um, alternate it's input an idea. button area. Slash yeah, it becomes display. it becomes like a secondary screen that you rest your finger on top of. And it looks you know, like the more I look at, I vacillate looking at this between thinking this is genius and thinking it's completely stupid. I can't tell if it's a better version of the touch bar or exactly if it, yeah. but like, I don't know if it's really that effective to have it be your trackpad. Like I just, it could be really cool or I it mean, could be total garbage. I mean, some things to unpack here. The, the big thing that I think about, and so just looking at the trackpad aspect of it is all of the modern Macs. The the trackpad itself is just a glass touchscreen, and then the computer itself is using haptics to simulate a click. Yeah, so, how do those work? Are they using the same technology? I imagine they're not as a touchscreen. I don't know if it, it, it. A trackpad feels different and more responsive to me than an iPhone screen. And I don't know if it's just my perception. No, they could be. Yeah, I mean, and that that's that's I'm sure a part of it. But I I know the the basic gist of it is that it's just a a basically a touchscreen and it admits it's just a capacitive touch panel with with glass over top of it so so in theory using a phone as a trackpad is actually like super smart because it's it's just using the phone which has a high refresh rate and a touch sensor and a smooth surface and and utilizing it in a place where you're already using basically that technology but now you can also add other controls or buttons based on the application that's up in the foreground. So, so it's like it's a, it's a it's, cool idea. I mean, you right, can, it's, it's you, this it's marriage, right? It's this marriage of the trackpad and the touch bar. Yeah, into the you can do a lot of cool stuff. Area. So I'm thinking, like, if you are, I mean, as you have a display down there, right? You can sort of show anything in there. So you could have it be zoomed in. So you could do like fine detail work, or like in Photoshop, I think that. Or you could have you know buttons you need on there, and you could activate them by touching that kind of thing. It, it, Having a trackpad that can display things opens up a whole new realm of interaction uh, possibilities. But I think what would kill this is the fact that it's all powered by the phone, and that means you're stuck using a phone operating system. Right. The, the Android is your baseline for that. So yeah. you don't have Photoshop. You don't have Final Cut or whatever video editing software. You don't have Logic or whatever audio editing software. You don't have these super high-end professional grade applications for CAD well, or whatever and you, you're, you're you using even you can't have anything even close because you're stuck using the phone's processor right and not that not that phones processors haven't gotten significantly better I mean look at the the iPhone 10 iPhone 8 the iPad, the new iPads and how their processor yeah. benchmarks against a MacBook it's like they're, no, they're outperforming sure. but you still have the limitation of even if the processor's there the application environment isn't there and you're still using a a user interface that was primarily designed for a smartphone 
right. that's now just being blown up onto onto the bigger screen. And I I know that it's a little bit different because Android is designed to have this like desktop mode. But I think still at, at the the core of it, it's still mostly just a phone operating system on a however large of screen, thirteen inch screen, or for like the Samsung Dex, however big of a screen you connect to it, or yeah. Um, one one thing I I will say that uh that this has done better is uh, th- th- so this isn't the first time that uh, a smartphone manufacturer or company has tried to do this basic idea like like I said Samsung did it with with the Dex attachment I don't know thing, what that thing is it, it's it's basically a little like dock for the Samsung S8 or S8 Plus. And you would drop your phone into it. There's a little USB-C port in it. And on the back of it, there was an HDMI hookup, a USB port or two USB ports, and like an audio port and power. And so you would drop your phone into this little dock, and then you could connect a monitor, keyboard, oh. mouse, and speakers to it. And you're, again, but your, your phone is just the processor. And all this thing was doing was turning USB-C into video out. And then the phone had a little bit of software on it that actually made it look right, right. on the screen. And it's the same idea as the... Uh, the Atrix, right? The Motorola Atrix from what a hundred years ago or whatever Lap, when that came out. Lapdock was exactly the same thing. Yes, it, it, except that one of the big differences is the Lapdock never had touchscreen, and and I think again when you're when you're using a mobile operating system, sometimes touch is a better way to work. And I believe this this Razer thing does have touch. Um. And, and just the yeah, fact that I mean, the operating... it's, it, it, it's designed to have touch, which is an interesting choice for right. them to do. And and then the, on top of that, the operating system is more fully thought out, more fully developed to be a a desktop and smartphone OS. Whereas when the Atrix came out in two thousand twelve, um, it was it, it was a less robust. OS at the time. Yeah, I mean, that's always going to be the issue with these, is you can't easily design something that works well for... or You can design something that works well for touch and PC, right? Like, a, a touch interface works fine on a PC with a mouse. PC interface doesn't necessarily work well on a phone, but you lose a lot of the benefits of having a mouse and a keyboard when you use a phone as your default operating system. Right. right, you don't have the precision pointing. You don't have uh, the, the the access to the full keyboard, and, and there's no real reason to. What, I still struggle to understand why you would want a touchscreen laptop when you have a pointing device built into it. Um, and so, because the the default is the phone, it's basically just a phone UI bigger on the screen. And I understand that you could potentially redesign applications to work well in this, but that requires. I mean, if this is the sort of thing that actually takes off, that would be really cool. But there's just so many little trade-offs. Like, do you want to redes- Do you want developers to have to spend all their time designing for three different types of screens? You have your phone, tablet, and then you have to have an entirely new interface for uh, for a laptop or a desktop interface uh, system. When you could just have a desktop computer that also runs a different version of the application that can be you know targeted towards that. Instead of trying to bundle it all together in one, you just fragment it out across the different systems. Sure, but I, I also that- think you know, as as we get further and further and further from the dawn of a mobile application, like a smartphone application, you know, the more years that pass that into this whole thing, the more these applications are already getting 
more and more desktopy, more and more. Um, in terms of their functionality, in terms of their functionality, in terms of their, their interface. I mean, think of how many universal apps there are for iPhone and iPad, where the iPad interface actually does look and feel very different than the phone interface, but it's a single application. Yeah. So it's it's not not like you couldn't have a developer who does care about the desktop experience of this extend their application just a little bit further for a a laptop type scenario. So I agree, but I'm going to push back a little bit in that I think the diff- the distance in the UI design between a phone and a tablet is much smaller than the distance between a tablet and a computer. I think it's a much bigger gulf there. But, I but think you're also it, you're basing that off of the legacy of computer application design, not the the way people are moving forward and into computer usage. I mean, you've said it how many hundreds of times on on the show where like most people's phone is their primary computer. So mm-hmm. what do they think of as a computer application is probably more like a phone application than it is yeah. like, you know, a, the desktop version of PowerPoint or whatever. All right. No, no, I'm into it. I guess what I mean is that it's a, it would be a subpar experience. And in order to make it a really, really good one, it would take more effort than just sort of importing it over from a tablet. Chase, what are your thoughts? You've been awfully quiet as you've been uh, <laughs> so yeah, children. Yeah, yeah, well, that was part of it. Also, I'm trying to listen more in 2018. So, <laughs> you know, respect. Respect the process. Um, I, I, so I, I mean, I have a lot of agreement with a lot of what you guys have said. But like the thing that immediately worries me about having a second screen experience is that then you have this requirement for people to build it and that's just going to be inconsistent with who has it available to them and why you'd want to build it it's like well how many games do you want to make for the connect is an apparatus that not everybody has like how many people are going to make second screen experiences for different video games if you know that's the thing that's supported if right so this is like how many applications would take advantage of the phone display as another way to show information and then there's also some like there's you would do it differently if you knew the person was going to be using a keyboard and, a, and secondary mouse, right? And not use that as the trackpad. So that's different yet because there's like you can do separate interaction menu designs on the second screen. So right. I, it's like there's too much there's too much fragmentation for it to be done versus the MacBook the MacBook Touch Bar, which is cause it's like that's guaranteed to be on it, right? So you can count on it. So I like I wouldn't count. Well, it's purely supplemental too. So even if it's not, it's not a. It doesn't impact sure. the usability the, of the application. Sure, and the trackpad itself could be the same thing. It could be purely supplemental. But but even at that, the touch bar itself is is getting as much flack as it does because some applications don't do anything special with it. Other ones do do stuff with it, right. and right. and some applications use it decently well, and other applications use it terribly. Like messages right. just shows the emoji bar. Like I don't know what else you would put there. So that one kind of makes sense. But then you look at an application like like Logic where they put all kinds of player controls and all kinds of stuff right on it, but 90% of those features and functions that you're looking for are right above the window you're working in. And it's like if I have to move my hand off the keyboard to the touch bar or down to the mouse, what's the difference at that point to get to a shortcut for an action that's also a keyboard shortcut that people have learned for years. So, so I think there's there's a certain amount of the the touch bar that kind of is failing at adoption because it's not being integrated well into the system or into the applications. So I think it, it suffers the same issue that 
that the razor could as a a supplemental second screen if people don't use it or people don't build for it then yeah i the the touch bar is a classic like why am i going to spend time and energy to build features for a for a piece of hardware that not everybody has and then people say why would i want to buy the thing because there's no things for like there's no features or software for right. it right and so that's that's just every new thing Matt, but i'm just saying right. it takes a while yeah it, if it's going to work like the, if, even airpods right like like you, they took time to adopt because you have people have to acclimate, warm up, see reviews, see good use cases for them. Um, which I think maybe the AirPods is not really fair because that's just fundamentals. They're just a good working pair of headphones. Um, but like with respect to the, something like the Razer phone computer, um, that one has a much lower chance of having people build stuff for it, especially if it's a one-off. Now, if like if that became the standard to put your phone as your trackpad in a shell device, like right, if that became like a Samsung had a version and Dell had a version or whatever, then maybe because then you'd have some consistent elements for people to design for. But the way it sits, I think it's it's obvious. It's just CES. It's just people, you know they're showing prototypes and stuff. Most of the time, their stuff is a lot more outlandish than it ends up being. Right, it never sees the light of day. I mean, I mean, for what it's worth, last year Razer showed a laptop where the screen folded out on both sides it became three screens and True. that never shipped <laughs> so cool. so i mean you're, you're talking yeah. like this the company is, is is pushing what you can do with hardware and software and figure out how so to make cooler and more different stuff so there's certainly an element of that where they're just trying to show what could be done the, the thing that i i think is so interesting about project linda isn't so much the actual the, the actual product itself or the way it's implemented currently but this idea that we're kind of edging towards a future where you could have a single device that becomes your everything. It can be your portable mobile phone that goes in your pocket. It can be a laptop. If you dock it into this laptop shell, it could be a desktop. If you dock it into a desktop shell and, and the, the, the important thing is that it is, it is your, your processor for everything and it is your storage for everything along with whatever cloud services you use but that it it becomes this idea of a a one device everywhere type of thing i mean look at look at gaming the nintendo switch is your portable switch but it's also your 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 console thing like how big of a different. hit but how big of a hit was that just because you had one device that could be your portable and your your television class gaming system because it was one thing that could do could could suit both needs and and if you can all right but here's what i'll say about the switch is i think it succeeded in spite of those trade-offs i think the reason why it is working is less about its port it's it's all about its portability and less about its ability to be docked um but but is is that is that true for everybody does everybody only play their switch portably i mean I, I know people who prefer to play on it like if i were to get one I, yes i would probably play it far more a far majority of the time portable because where i have the opportunity to play when i have the opportunity to play i'm not necessarily in front of a tv but i think there are a right. lot of people who do play the switch like it's just something they play in their living room or their basement or whatever or in bed and they hook it up to the tv and they play with the the pro controller because they'd rather have the big screen experience for playing zelda or mario odyssey or whatever they're playing on it so, no, I think it's certainly. I mean, we played through basically all of Odyssey um, on our TV. I, I 
I'm just guessing. I don't know for sure, and I don't know if there's any numbers to back that sort of thing up, but it's really, to my suspicion, that the Switch is not popular because of its ability to convert as much as it is popular because it can be used as a handset as opposed to being stuck to a TV. Um, but but again, that, that, that's an I, I don't know if the Switch is the best example here. I think it's a, a strong argument in your case, though. And, but I think, I think that same argument could apply to, to this uh, pretty heavily, that if you had a a device that could be in your pocket 95% of the time that was a super powerful computer, but the other 5% of the time when you needed to do something on a screen bigger than, let's say, six inches or five and a half inches or whatever, you wanted that bigger screen experience. If you had the ability to take that device that's in your pocket and just go and drop it on a little dock, and all of a sudden now you have a 27-inch monitor with a keyboard and mouse... And you still have all the processing power and the storage and all of your files and everything is all right there. And on top of that, you have an application that you already are 100% familiar with because you use it on your phone every day. You never have to learn a separate application. You never have to learn how to, how something works here versus how it works there. Like You have a, a seamless experience no matter where you are. And you have this, this one device that ends up being the the center of it. That's compelling. Have you have you spoken with the marketing people on this? <laughs> pretty good terms in there. I'm feeling pretty motivated to go simplify my life. Now, what about the alternative? Which oh, go ahead. No, Chase. No, that's fine. I I like the idea. I think in it feels like in theory we all like the idea of like the single device or single sign on or whatever it is. Like right in in an ideal world, it all sounds great. I could walk around my house. I have my phone in my pocket, but. Like whatever device I'm using contextually then displays, like like I'm like I, I would imagine that I wouldn't be on more than one device at a time or something, right? Like, or maybe you're like if you ever are in PC mode when you walk up to your desktop peripherals, right? And so your screen's on, it has everything up and going. Then if I open my if I grab my phone, it like it can only work in phone mode or something, right? Like it would like default to phone mode, so you get the phone use while you would be watching right. TV. It's it's just gonna right? put it's gonna put whatever you're doing on whatever you're interacting with. So you yeah, switch exactly. to the phone, and now the phone's on, and you switch back to your computer, and now the computer's on. Like if it could, if it could just bounce back and forth. It- yeah, I think there's scenarios like that where you'd like have some have some dual have some parallel efforts, but it's like the idea the that like, yeah, exactly. Which I'll bring up for the ten millionth time in this podcast. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't. Know. I, I said anyway. In theory, I think it's a really good idea. In practice, it's so hard because our services and products are so fragmented that they're not bound together like that, and like even. I mean, we can't even agree to use the same operating system within the same ecosystem within the same company, right? Like Apple has mm-hmm. two different operating systems for two different things, right? So, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with it, right? But I think I think you look at the the long scale of what's happening on their two operating systems, like they're they're, they're slowly but surely moving towards each other. You know, the iPad the iPad, for example, is getting more and more capable as a laptop replacement type device yep. and like the operating system is getting more and more capable of doing multiple things at a time like you can on an ipad pro you can do three apps at once and yeah so so that's that's happening on on ios and then on the mac like applications are getting more and more ios-y because more of your developers are building ios apps first and then building mac apps after the fact and right. so the applications feel more like ios apps as it is 
and then and then people are also starting to build more and more you know like chrome based apps or um what is it, electron based right. apps like like slack is an electron based app which is all just using like the chrome framework underneath to right. build these applications that so they're a universal application and, and yeah. they're they're more and more like phone apps at that point so it's only a matter of time before the majority of your applications yes they're going to always be like your super high desktop class like workstation applications that that may need an actual like full-fledged computer operating system but if 90 percent of people or 80 percent of people could get by with their phone and a docking station that made their phone a bigger screen is that yeah. not something that you're going to see microsoft and apple and google and everybody else chasing towards yeah it, it feels really natural i just feel like we're not there yet i i don't know that it's even like an interaction problem at the moment it's more like we just have like processing and bandwidth thresholds that we haven't crossed so like eventually we get to the point where you won't need to have any like like your smartphone that you have in your pocket right like wouldn't have to do any of the work It'd just be the portal to whatever the know whatever type of back end is going so it's going to be like effectively terminal mainframe except for in this case your terminal is like a highly competent computer in its own right so it could offload processing that you wouldn't want to ship you know over the network or if for security reasons or something right or like you could do more advanced like i don't know stuff that you i'm imagining all security reasons why you want to keep stuff local but like if you know the if your connection goes down you could still have some basic functionality because your phone is still a computer and it's like, you could still do right things you need to do that didn't require connectivity so I think those are the two tensions here. You have the the terminal mainframe, the thin client, and the the offsite server that does it all. Or you have yeah. the sort of the opposite of that, which is what we're discussing here, where you have the thick, the heavy, yeah, the thicc client and <laughs> very little offsite. Yeah, I mean, it's like how Apple currently does their predictive text and everything on on iPhone, right? Like that's all done locally, right? right? right. Versus right. like you've got keyboards that are running off services that are doing predictive text, and all the services are being. You know, AWS or something, right? Right, or Google servers or whatever, yeah. Well, technically, in order, it's AWS, then Azure, then IBM. So I, don't, I just think of I don't Google know as being the any... keyboard that's doing the predictive text on the server oh, side. Oh, yeah, they're definitely it's using their own stuff. Google's using their own server, which is why I specifically cited Google's, because you brought up keyboards. Oh, yeah, Sorry. and the Google keyboard, like I said, this, I think it's really impressive that it's not local because it's super fast. Like, I, like you wouldn't know. I don't have any difference between the Apple keyboard and the Google keyboard. Except those sweet, sweet ads. So I don't know. Yeah, Yeah, right. (laughs) Based on what you type, so good. I don't know if this is a good concept overall, having the phone, whether it's going to be all phones or it's going to be all servers or what. Um, Of course, it'll be somewhere in between. But I definitely now want a laptop with a touchscreen display uh, under its trackpad. Yeah, and I think 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 that when the the the, the, the touch bar came out initially and everybody heard it was coming. I think a lot of people thought that was what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And then it didn't. Oh. Um, my my estimation, my personal estimation is that we are not too far away from a probably a replacement for the 12-inch MacBook or the MacBook Air size laptop. Like they're going to start on whatever their smallest device is because they will. Mm-hmm. Um, where you have a screen that is your display and then you have a screen that is your keyboard and mouse input area because then the entire thing oh, that sounds terrible it, it sounds mm. terrible but but think about it, like they've again it all goes back to they've been teaching kids and adults and well, 
but primarily like the younger generation to type on glass with your thumbs two inputs it's totally I, different you I, get 10. I totally type on my ipad like normal touch typing on an ipad screen on the keyboard all the time yeah and, I, I mean i i feel you I, but hardware buttons are always going to be better to non haptic interface for that sort of thing but I, but I still i still think you're going to see a point where whether it's the most like i said that's why i think they start on the the cheap low-end laptop not the macbook pro where people still want physical buttons that get dust under them and then fail um but instead they they want a uh a a physical keyboard and so I, but i think you're going to see on a low-end mac or maybe it's on a, an ipad device where they actually have a a dual screen iPad where you have the screen that's the screen and you have a screen that's this dynamic input area. So it could be a full keyboard. It could be just big dials for, for tweaking color or something like that in an editing app. It could be a giant touch surface for you, know what you could do. This is crazy. Hold on. Let me, let me pitch something wildly here. So you have this big touch area with the screen on it, put the keyboard on there. You could just get rid of the entire like folding part, the upper screen, and just combine it all into one big flat device that's like really thin, and you can show everything on that, including the keyboard. Be a really cool idea. I wonder what you could call it. Like an iPad. Yeah, it could be something like this, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. I, it, it yeah, yeah. seems crazy. I, I understand what you're saying, but but again, I think think. <laughs> you just, was, I mean, you're pitching it. Right. You're pitching. What was that Microsoft product that was like the book with the two sides? I don't know. You know what I'm talking is. about? Huh. I'll find it. Courier, the Microsoft Courier. Oh, that's the old, yeah, the like pre-iPad. Yeah, I mean, that's what you're pitching here. It's just in, you turned it 90 degrees. I don't know what this Courier thing is. Oh, it was actually super cool. <laughs> the concept, yeah, there's some really good concepts like in the early 90s that were all like stuff that we like today. Is um, I'm just, for me, I'm looking at what's what's the long-term evolution of of the the bottom half of a laptop. And and again, I think the difference here between an iPad that's all of that on one screen all at once and a a computer where the bottom half is just a giant, like the whole thing is a la touch bar and it's not getting it, rid of the keyboard. I I don't know. I think I think that making the default input input choice be the point. I mean, it's like fun to think about, but it's not really it. It's gonna you're gonna have like ubiquitous, like you're gonna have a ubiquitous computing experience. Blah. Anyway, so you're like gonna go wherever you want, right? It'll be the same. You'll be able to go contextually place to place with the same operating system, right? It's just whatever relevant iOS thing just shows up wherever you're using it, and you pick your input. Like some people are gonna have like they're gonna have mechanical keyboards, and some people are gonna have like traditional laptops. Some people are just gonna have whatever you're like fold out, type on the you know type on the table and have the sensor read your finger movements. Like that's all that stuff is moot. The input's moot. It's going to be like actually whoever can figure out how to do the, the, the actual UI and engagement from device to device or multi-device like independent of input is that's, what's going to like, would, would that's, work. A, that's an idea. I think what I want, um, Ian, are you familiar with teenage engineering? I'm not. No. Tell Apparently me. Chase is an so, idol. Teenage, I think you, I think you know the OP one though. Teenage Engineering is a, a hardware company that makes a bunch of things, sound related things, including uh, the synthesizer called the OP one. And I think that's what I want. And all it is is like th- their OPZs is this new thing coming out, and it's just like this slab that doesn't have a display, it just has a bunch of hardware buttons. And I like the idea of choosing that as my interface and just 
being able to plug that in or having it wirelessly talk to any display that's around me. Oh, for sure. For it, sure. That's exactly. I don't have to have the touchscreen. You're right. I just want the keyboard that looks like a hunk of metal with the keyboard and a few buttons on it that lets me yeah. do what I want. Pick whatever you want for an input. It's everything else that's going to be the pain in the butt. Like I, I, I some people will pick like the tap on glass thing. I've seen people like I watch people who are proficient typing on a on an iPad, and I'm like, what the? I just I can't wrap my head around it. Tap on glass is a short term solution. Um, I, I talk about that them a lot. Subset of people who will right until voice. That's only because yeah. <laughs> No, it's not. I mean, your voice is garbage compared to your hands, right? Like, you're not going to go do woodworking with I know. I know how much you love your voice, voice input, though. <laughs> I mean, it's, voices, it's going to be one of fine, them. I guess. It's, it's not going to be glass. It's not going to be voice. It's, it's going to be something much more that, that uses humans' anatomy better. Uh, just, it, just, it just plugs right into the base of your neck, and you just think no. it, and it happens. No, think about how good and natural and skilled you are at using your hands, and then think about how little the technology we have today actually taps into that. Um, typing on glass is a, it's fine, but it's a step backwards for keyboards. Um, I don't kind of know what it's going to look like, but I think it's going to be more suited for for what we are naturally capable of doing. Yeah, I don't. I, I'm not like we're not big fans of that. So, 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 so leap motion. Yeah, it's it's leap motion. That's the solution. Is you just hold you so your much. hands out in front of you, and uh, as you move your hands around like a little wizard, all of a sudden a you're <laughs> you're an evil man. <laughs> I mean, it's it's the Ian's future. Ian's Ian's ideal future for interfaces is smooth glass, no feedback. You have to look <laughs> at everything you're doing. If you feel anything, you the interface doesn't right. work appropriately. Like even even a little bit of a breeze, and things are all jacked up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> good so, so the so the true solution yeah. here is uh is everybody has a phone and you just always type on your phone and do everything on your phone perfect that, you, so you truly much. have one device for everything i hate that so much. <laughs> it's perfect i think, it I think we cracked it the worst all right you heard it here first folks chase is afraid of the future you can find show notes for this week's episode of interface.fm slash uh 62 I believe. And wow. while you're there, you can find links. Actually, maybe we should call this season. Is this season three, episode one? This is whatever, whatever. <laughs> I don't put a number on it because that'll immediately fail. Because I think season two was like four episodes long. Yay. Uh, while, while you're on the, uh, the, the page looking at the, uh, the wonderful show notes for the episode, you can also find our, our Twitter account where you can harass us for the fact that we've been gone for, I don't know, like a year. And, uh, We'll be back like six at, months. We'll be back at some point, maybe in the future if you're lucky. Were we supposed to be recording for that? <laughs>